When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hello. Is it me you are looking for? <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> I can see it in your smile. <laughs> you are the one that I found. <laughs> I don't know the next line. Today. <laughs> I don't know. I just know the other part. The, <laughs> and there's nothing more to say. And there's nothing more to do. do. <laughs> wow. Aaron's upset. John Favreau <laughs> is my daddy. The musical. <laughs> we're just, we're, we're going to take over the theater scene. Don't even plant the seed of turning this into a musical. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. We are gardeners and we landscape the landscape. <laughs> And there will be a musical. <laughs> the landscape of my imagination. It just makes me think of Beverly Hills Chihuahua, where George <laughs> Lopez is like, I am a landscaper. I have never seen that movie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is a niche reference. You know what? <laughs> Who played you, the other Chihuahua? You have not partaken in uh, cinema. Who played the lady Chihuahua? Of course, Drew Barrymore. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Like, I feel like you're so stupid for not knowing that. Like, you're so dumb. Drew our girl, Barrymore. Jamie, okay, our girl, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Oh, my God. Yes. Star studded. I need to see this movie it's now. It's a Disney movie. The The opening song is uh, Rich Girl by Gwen Stefani. It's like, na, 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 na. Wow. And then all these dogs flash on the screen, and it's like Yorkies and Bichon Freezes. And okay, the Monica, ones. If you, what kind of dog would you be if you were a dog? I feel like if I was a dog, I'd be a fucking Italian greyhound. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a nemishy Italian greyhound. Yes, just like lightly prancing with its long thin yes. legs <laughs> sliding everywhere you'd, like, you'd be an italian greyhound or like a whippet yeah yes <laughs> or honestly an afghan hound have you ever seen an afghan <laughs> yes hound? i have the hair yes. yes but like but all of my hair is trimmed so i'm just naked <laughs> and like vulnerable you're not like other afghan hounds <laughs> <laughs> just afghan hound things Okay, if you were a dog, you would 100% be a border collie. Would I? Yeah, or a poodle. <laughs> I, I could see that. A border collie, a poodle, or a cocker spaniel. Well, oh, I can definitely identify with being a cocker yeah, spaniel. 100%. What makes me a border collie? I don't know. I don't what know. about me? Do you want to know? Border did collie. you know that border collies are the smartest dog breed of all dogs? No, but now that you've said that, I agree that I would be a border collie. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh my God. We just, we just, I hate you. And we just proved I'm a poodle. Yes. So you're actually the poodle from Oliver and Company. You're, the, you're like the, I don't know if you, have you ever seen Oliver and Company? Yes. Okay. So you're the fucking poodle from Oliver and Company. I also like the dog in um, Lady and the Tramp who sings. He's, He's a, a tramp. tramp. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> You know what that reminded me of? What? And you know how in Gilmore Girls, Miss Patty 
and Babette, like, do, like, their <laughs> fucking, like, musical repertoire together. Yes. <laughs> That's what reminds Because they both sit like, ha. Okay, but who's Babette and who's Miss Patty? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I think, who do you think you are? Ah. Uh, I feel in my bones that I'm more of a Miss Patty. I yeah. think you're kookier than me. I agree. And Babette is way kookier. I think I'm, I think I'm definitely, Maury! And Babette's had like five husbands. It's true. Babette's like, hello, dear. <laughs> Uh, Miss Patty's definitely the more uh, trampy one. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. She's the tramp. But they love me. But they love her. <laughs> uh, how are you, Monica? I'm good. Uh, you know what that reminds me of kind of though? What? Uh, or not reminds me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said in my whole entire life. I, I meant agree. like, okay, what, <laughs> what dog would Tom Cruise be? <laughs> <laughs> what dog would Tom Cruise be? I think he kind of looks like a Yorkie. <laughs> oh my God. Am I wrong? I think you're wrong, but okay. <laughs> you don't think so? I think he has kind of a similar shape. <laughs> he kind of gives me like Shih Tzu vibes. No, I don't get a Shih Tzu vibe from Tom at all. I get a Shih Tzu vibe. Or, or like, like a... a... <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's like a, a very like fast dog like a like like an australian shepherd maybe that seems too like fluffy and cuddly I need, it needs something a little more like sleek yeah like a boston terrier <laughs> is that just because carrie's a boston yeah. terrier uh, this will be part of my dabble later but yeah. okay uh no 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 what is tom cruise if you want to let us know in our dms what kind of dog tom cruise would be i feel like he's means. like a black labrador retriever Maybe. I feel like that's too nice. He needs like, he needs to be like- <gasps> He's a Rottweiler. Beautiful and likable, but also kind of a dick. <laughs> True. Beagle. A beagle. Perhaps Maybe. he is a beagle, but also he's not like- Everyone loves him. That's true. Everyone does love him. You know? Hmm. Does I'll everyone, have to think about does this. Does everyone love a beagle? I don't think- does Well, everyone, everyone a beagle? loves a beagle, yeah. A root, a root. Sorry, my dog just stared at us. She just like her eyes like, snap open. You guys are doing it wrong. <laughs> and then she just goes, a roo. <laughs> it's, it's like this. A roo, a roo. It's not a roo. It's a roo. Uh, <laughs> not me. Not a mine. A roo. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, okay, you can probably guess who we're talking about today. Yeah, it's Tom Cruise. It's Thomas Cruise. Thomas Cruise. Cruisey boy cruising down the street in his car. Not his legs. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you about Tom Cruise. Are you ready, Monica? Honestly, no, but go ahead. Okay, Thomas Cruise, Mapother the Fourth. Holy shit. <laughs> and yes, I did Google how to pronounce that, is an American actor and producer and arguably the most famous Scientologist in the biz. This is the truth. Growing up Catholic, he originally <laughs> planned to be a Franciscan priest, but while studying at the seminary, he got expelled for drinking and becoming interested in acting. <laughs> ah, yes, you may no longer be here. You're too interested in the art form of the acting. <laughs> He moved to New York at the age of 18 to pursue his career, but ended up in Los Angeles within a year and was immediately signed by CAA. Of course. Can you 
Imagine. Can you even imagine? People work for decades to get signed and never get signed. <laughs> people just, they, they never get signed anywhere. Anywhere. Let alone fucking CAA. Oh, God. In his first five years of acting professionally, Daddy Cruz had starring roles in immensely popular films, including Taps, The Outsiders, All the Right Moves, and Risky Business. By the time he starred in 1986's Top Gun, he had been cemented as a Hollywood superstar. <laughs> Since then, Tom has continued to star in many critically acclaimed roles in films such as Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, The Firm, Interview with the Vampire, Magnolia, The Mission Impossible franchise, Minority Report, and truly so many more movies. In May 2020, it was announced that he would be starring in and producing the first film ever shot in outer space. So that's fun. <laughs> Written and directed by our boy Doug Lyman. Oh my God. <laughs> Daddy Cruz is also obviously an outspoken advocate for the Church of Scientology, which he credits with helping him overcome dyslexia. But he also hates psychiatry and antidepressants. So that's kind of annoying, Tom. The church has been credited with ending several of Tom's relationships, including his marriage to Nicole Kidman, and they've even held auditions for suitable partners for him. Escape! <laughs> he has been nominated and won many awards, but has somehow never won that coveted Oscar, despite being nominated three times. However, he did win the Golden Globe for every role that he was Oscar nominated for, which I think is very funny. because <laughs> he's swinging college. <laughs> well, I went back and looked at everyone who won and you can definitely tell that that was like, who won was like the more like diplomatic choice. Yeah. Like when he lost best actor, he lost to um, Daniel Day-Lewis for, uh, what's the one where my left foot, is that what it's called? My left foot. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other time when he lost um, for Magnolia, he lost to Michael Caine and Cider House oh, Rules. Duh, duh. So it's just the Academy being like, these are wholesome films. <laughs> Last but not least, Tom is the literal daddy to three children. Let's give it up for Daddy Cruz. Wow. I know, right? He's just a Scientologist. That's all I heard. <laughs> that's all. I mean, that's a lot of what he is. It really did surprise me, though, that he was one of the actors who participated in that protest of the Hollywood Forum Press last year for I'm, like. It's so confusing. For diversity. He returned his Golden Globes from that. What like, the prior is year. he? What? What? He is literally like an unreadable brick wall. I mean, to be fair, like the Scientologists don't market themselves as racists but like they also what? just don't seem like great people they need to rebrand <laughs> like it's not like that's one of like the tenets of scientology oh no the pillars of scientology of which there are many one of them Too is many. the belief that you were once an alien dianetics that's all i know okay i am really interested in getting down to what actually like what Scientology actually is before we dive into Daddy Cruz. Oh, okay. Just because I think that we're going to be throwing that word around a lot. Scientology? Yes. <laughs> We've done it before. <laughs> uh, with John Travolta. Yes. But not nearly as much as I'm going to bring it up. Okay, in, okay, in okay. Episode. So you want to pause and look up the bullet points? Yes. Okay. So Scientology is a set of beliefs and practices invented by American author L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, and don't you know that authors are inspired by the Lord? What? <laughs> the Lord? <laughs> like everyone who wrote the Bible, Monica. I love Lord. <laughs> did you know she came out with a new album? Yeah, I did. It was it's mostly so like made by uh, Jack Antonoff. Oh, so good. It's so good. I don't like Lord, but that's just me. That's just Go you on. though. Every other every other teen teen Tumblr fan 
loves Lord. I'm sorry, I'm not a teen anymore. No, you were a teen Tumblr fan. I was, but before she was even a person. That's true. She was a person. <laughs> I, man, Lord just showed up one day. She really did. She just came and she was like, "Hello, my name is Lord. <laughs> I love Kanye West, and I I sing. I love to dip my fingers in paint. I love to dip um, my fingers in paint, meaty burger, and." Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that I've definitely personally met Taika Waititi. So, you know. Uh, Anyway, Scientology has been variously defined as a cult, a business, or a new religious movement. So any other religion too. Yeah. So so sorry, everyone. (laughs) The most recent published census data indicates that in the United States of America, there are about 25,000 followers. And around 2,300 followers in England. That's it? 25,000? 25,000. That's nothing. I know. Well, that was, to be fair, that was in 2008, which was the last census that included Scientology. Yeah. Okay. Continue. (laughs) Anywho. Uh, Yeah. So basically what they believe is like a human that is immortal, or a human is an immortal spiritual being that is a resident in a physical body. That's what they believe. Okay. I, I mean, I've heard about their their like teachings about how you can learn to basically like control your true self. I don't know. Which I do think is positive in a in a way when it's not associated with Scientology. Like the whole concept of like truly discovering who you are, really believing in yourself, altering your mindset in order to achieve things. I think those are all very positive, which is how they get people because they're like, do you hate your life and you want to change it? Which I'm sure tons of people are like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So yes, that is one way that they get people. The other way is through these like tapes, like these confessionals that they have to make. Oh yeah. uh, In order to be like, even, even remotely, if you are even remotely interested in Scientology, they like bring you into a room and they're like, all right, tell us all of your secrets and then let us cleanse you. I'm sure they don't say it like that. I'm sure it's a lot. They might. (laughs) They might. I have no idea. (laughs) I still have to watch that one documentary about Scientology. I've never watched Going Clear. I really want to. I really want to. We, we totally should. We should. We definitely should. Um, but, uh, they like get, you get all of your secrets on tape and like hold them. And then they're like, all right, Blackmail, blackmail, blackmail. You know what I have heard, though, is that the cafe at the Celebrity Center on Franklin in Los Feliz oh, yes. uh, has delicious breakfast. I have. <laughs> <laughs> they don't serve it to the public anymore, but oh. they used to. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I do think, though, that if you, like, go there and request a tour, sometimes they invite you to, like, go to the cafe. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm ashamed to say that there is a Church of Scientology right here in good old Old Town Pasadena. There's about four or five within a three mile radius of my apartment. It is kind of insane. That big blue one. The big, big blue, blue boy, yeah. the celebrity center, celebrity center, the media center the media is center. right across from the big blue boy. Yeah. There's one up by Idlewild. This is enormous. There. It's huge. It's like a fucking compound. Why do they have so, why is it so big? I don't know. Tom. 25,000 people? I mean, let, let's double it. Even if it's 50,000. That's not a lot of people. It's not a lot of people. That's like that's like a university. Yeah. Like, it's like, like a ri- one like that's like a That's like UCLA. Yeah, right? I don't know. Fight on. <laughs> USC baby. Fight the fuck on. Fight the fuck on. Cuz you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jessica went to USC. I, oh, this is the first time you brought it up in a long time. I know. I know. And I don't <laughs> How know does it you feel? Know, Tom Tommy the Trojan. Tommy? Tom Tommy? Cruise? Tom- Hello? 
Oh, hello. Is there a connection? There's a huge connection there. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did you not know that they fashioned him against, uh, like, it was Tom in Cruise. his image, in his image, like yes. Jesus from like God. Jesus from God. <laughs> He was made in his image. He was made in his image. Oh, well, actually, no, we are made in his image, aren't Wait, we? Isn't what? that the whole thing? No, 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 no. That's not the whole thing, right? Like, Jesus was made in God's image and God, and God, like, but looked then, down. But then, like, and, we as people are made in No, no, no. The God Lord's looked image. down and he said, yeah, this is right. And then everything else happened from there. Listen, it's been a while since I read the Bible. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, guys. Hear me out. It's like, he made, oh, no, you're right. I am right. No, 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 you're right. He made the people in the P, and then he, then he said, oh, no, this is this is good. Yes. This is good. That's and what then, I thought. And then we he rested on the seventh day. Correct. And created the Sunday scaries. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Back to Tom Cruise. This is called Religion with Monica and Jessica. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Uh, don't listen to anything that we just no, said. No, I we actually are, listened to all of it. I'm an authority on I guess, the church. You know Thank what? you. You're a theology major at USC. You were. Yep. That's what I. That's definitely what I majored yes. in. Theology, right? <laughs> yep. Not theater theology. Yep. It was, it, there's a, a typo PH. on my degree. PH. Yeah. Th. <laughs> oh, okay uh, monica you want to tell us about the first movie i will tell you about the first movie thank you whiskey business <laughs> the first movie is risky business came out in 1983 baby written and directed by paul brickman when his parents leave on vacation wealthy high school senior joel goodson played by tom cruise a scientologist is left with the family house and porsche at his disposal after a night with sex worker Lana, or Lana, as a lot of them say in the movie, yeah. played by Rebecca de Mornay, Joel gets in over his head with Lana, or Lana's pimp, Guido, which is played by the bad man <laughs> from The Matrix and from Memento. Just so weird. He did they, everything. They just keep, re, they just keep copy pasting his like bad boy. I like, mean, technically this was the first of those three, but still. So funny. Finding himself in the position of needing a lot of cash fast before his parents return home, Lana or Lana suggests <laughs> providing the services of her equally gorgeous colleagues to Joel's wealthy classmates who are all underage because guess what? They're in high school and this is so questionable. I think if we're gonna go with legality, we're just supposed to assume that either, what's the age of consent in Can, Chicago? You know what? No, no, no. Let's assume that they're all 18. Let's assume that they're yeah, literally, okay. I would assume they're all 18 because they're all about to go to college. Let's all, okay, guys, let's just level this playing field here and now. Everyone in this movie is 18 plus. Let's just, let's just leave it at that because there's too much, there's Correct. too much to cringe about it otherwise. Right. And right, we'll right. never get through this, this, whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> this like talking into mics yelling at each other <laughs> screaming so tom cruise the scientologist he plays joel who oh. is like a, a he's not a goody goody but he's not like he's not like a bad boy you know how in a lot of these like these these movies it's always like the the bad boy he's kind of like a ferris bueller type like yeah a little bit causes a little bit like like an average amount of trouble but is but is okay at school and like he, his parents are like riding him hard because he yeah. has to go to Princeton and it's kind of like if you took all the elements of like a Ferris Bueller type and like mixed it with a new a new version of that then you kind of get his character. It's like that without the chaos kind of. Yeah, no chaos and he doesn't have as much under control as like a Ferris Bueller type would. Yeah, he's also not really looking for chaos no he's really not like he's trying to get out of there as yeah. fast as possible like when his friend 
who I can't remember the actor's name, but I love him. He's the best. And he plays, he always plays a, he plays a, the principal in New Girl. Yeah, but he was like an 80s teen star. Yes, he was an 80s teen star. What's his name? Yeah, Curtis Armstrong played Booger. In Revenge of the Nerds. In Revenge de la Nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's super famous for. But he plays Tom Cruise's best friend and he's like the, the agent of chaos, I guess. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, which he has no business being the agent of chaos. I mean, like, come well, on. He just wants his best friend to like live, live a little. Yeah. And he's like, your parents are out of town. Like, this is the perfect opportunity. And he's not even asking him to do that much. He's not even being like, throw a huge party. He's just like, hey, Joel, you haven't lost your virginity yet. So like, do that. Okay, which brings me to my first point. Before I get into it. Yes. I had a lot of anxiety and stress <laughs> out of, because of Tom Cruise's filmography. Like I literally right. like fell into a panic attack because I was like, this is so much. He's done a lot. He's done a lot. Risky Business though, is like a seminal hit classic. Yeah. And like the mark of early Tom Cruise. Like Correct. this is it. Yeah. This is the movie. And Miles- who is his his like partylicious foil uh-huh. who's literally there to like just make shit happen <laughs> right he tells him to hire a call girl and the way that tom cruise plays like i'm i'm hip and cool and i and i can get down with this but i'm also really nervous mm-hmm. is like his signature thing yes like he and th- and in my opinion like this is where it starts like the signature, I'm cool, calm, and collected, but inside I'm fucking freaking out and so nervous. Yeah. And he just does it so well. He does it, he does it really, really well. And like you and I were talking about this when we decided to do Tom Cruise. Like they just they just like don't really make movie stars like Tom Cruise anymore. Simply really because don't. like the industry, the world, the way that information is spread, everything has changed so much. Like there straight up just isn't opportunity, or at least that's not how Hollywood is structured anymore. It's not structured to take these like young, hot kids and skyrocket them to lifelong stardom. Yeah. Because it's not like Tom Cruise was a really hot 80s star and then stopped acting. No, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> or like at all. stopped being relevant no. or you know, like he's still incredibly famous and still incredibly talented. And I would argue that like now the caliber of talent at that, the age that he was, which was 20 when he made this movie, Mm -hmm. I would argue that a lot of the 20 year old actors, like the stuff that they're being put in, isn't quite as good. And therefore like, they're not as good. Yeah. Well, they just don't have actors that are as good of as people like Tom Cruise at as young of an age. Yeah. And so it's kind of wild to watch him. It is really well to watch him. I feel like so many, uh, I think what Hollywood is doing now, which like to your point, it is not trying to like m- make the movie star. There's yeah. There are no more Tom Cruises and, and Leos. There, there, there just aren't. Yeah, that's just not how it works It's just anymore. not how it works anymore. I think a lot of it is like geared towards like what can, how can we like market this person to be a celebrity, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily care about sustainability or longevity. Correct. Like make them famous now fast, make them make them make you a lot of money now fast but it doesn't matter like what their image is or like who they are past this point yeah once the candle burns out like it burns out like there are only a few young 
superstars, I guess I would say. And I'm really curious to see what happens with their career long term. Like, I'm really curious to see what happens to like Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh. Like, they are amazing. Don't get me wrong. Those people are brilliant actors. Oh, yeah. But I'm like... Will they have a lifelong career like Tom Cruise? I don't know. I don't know. And it's it's like, it's kind of like nerve wracking to, yeah. to think about and watch because I'm like, wow, like we're, we're living in such a, such a, uh, what's the word in these unprecedented times, <laughs> um, but only in reference to Hollywood and how they treat Yeah, Not in reference to Ms. COVID <laughs> or literally anything else awful yeah, happening. In nothing the world. else. <laughs> Just in reference to Hollywood. Correct. When you can't make a movie star anymore, what are you making? Yeah. Good question. Uh, Good question. These are the things that they ask in the Scientology Center. (laughs) But in the 80s, a role like this, I mean, it was, it was a role of a lifetime. And the thing that makes it so brilliant is it's such a simple setup in this movie. It's like, you have a horny, rich teenager who has the house to himself. What happens? Yeah. And I feel like we, I feel like we're just going to keep talking about the industry now, but like the simple setup of these movies like that doesn't exist anymore no. or if it does it's all like hyper saturated and like the acting isn't that good and everyone's like fucking way too much the beauty of this movie is that like the sexiness of it happens like once or twice and then the rest is implied whereas if n- now it would be on hbo and you'd see ever see everyone's tits oh like. yeah 100 because it would be like euphoria where like Correct. literally you're watching two teenage not they're not actually teenagers right, right, right. i just want to preface that but in the show but you're in the show you're watching them just like go horde yes and it is it is sometimes disturbing yeah <laughs> like, exactly um but you know it, it, it is art and who are we to judge out? Yes, I'm just saying that Tom Cruise's filmography is a really good thing to look at yes. when you want to think of, like, to compare to the, like, to current media, yeah. I guess. Ooh, it is, like, black and white. Yeah. It is, like, watching something that is so structured, so, like, predetermined, so it's built for fucking sustainability. Mm-hmm. You look at that, and then you look at someone like... Honestly, even like Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. like you look at someone like that and you're like, your career was not built for sustainability. No one looked at you and said, we're going to make you a lifelong star. These are literally going to be the milestones of your stardom. Like, Correct. here you go. No one did that for him. And so then there, then there were multiple Keanuances <laughs> where he took like breaks in between, like long breaks in between like right. when he was famous, when he was kind of like not really. Yeah. And then he would make all these comebacks. And so now in the current Keanu-sans, because of John Wick, he's like a, <laughs> because of John Wick and that like insane, he's a star again. that insane cameo in that one, like always Ali be my maybe Netflix movie, yes. always be my, my maybe like he's now like a star again. Right. Whereas like, I would say pre John Wick, not really. Right. Yeah. He was kind of forgotten. Like, yeah. low. So that's what I'm trying to say is like, and what I'm trying to say to like add to your point right. is like, there are these milestones that the people at, I'm assuming, CA fucking A, <laughs> broke down Tom Cruise's career and said, okay, with risky business, you're going to solidify yourself as like a sex comedy god. Like, but like with, with a little bit of bite and like some actual sustainability in the way that you're like acting. But yeah, so they kind of like set him up to be, for this to be like one facet mm-hmm. of his lo- like lifelong career. Right. Right. Like 
teen idol, teen sex comedy star. Mm -hmm. And then later on, like rom-com man, leading man, action hero, like giving him, oh God, Hollywood was crazy. They knew what the (laughs) fuck they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They knew that they could turn Tom Cruise into one of those stars. Like they, I was reading some quote um, when I was looking up his bio that someone was saying that Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Cruise are the only two stars who, if you put them in a movie, it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie is. It will at least make good money in the box so office. So much money. Too much money, some might say. Exactly. And Tom Cruise has been in some movies that like aren't that great, but he's amazing in everything because no matter what you think of him as a person, he's ridiculously talented. And he grew up in this industry, but in a way where he was being exposed to so much talent and that made him better. Yeah. Not in a way that made him awful. I mean- in terms of talent (laughs) yeah i mean same thing with you know with brad pitt right like throwing throwing kind of another example in the mix same fucking thing like that man is still a fucking superstar why has only gotten better because his career was set up for longevity folks yeah folks sustainability if you're hot and talented you can go far you can go so far (laughs) if you're hot and talented the agency will be like you know what kid you know what we're going we're gonna to take this giant whiteboard and map out your fucking career. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. Anyway, anyway. Back, back to whiskey business. Correct. Yes. I think, I think the main thing that you get from Tom Cruise and his acting in this is like, he is trying so hard to come across as smooth because he doesn't want Lana to think that he's like just some teenager. Which he is. Which he and is. And she definitely also kind of and is. And she knows. Well, yeah. I think she's supposed to be like 20. She, well, yeah, she's but, supposed to be 20 and like her her either older or younger. Like it wasn't specified whether or not her brother was older or younger than her. But like he's also like a kid like in because they mentioned that he's like in school, like yeah. studying. Yeah. Uh, but they're all young is the point. Right. He doesn't want to come across as like just some silly teenager. So he tries to be really like smooth. And aloof. And cool and aloof, which is so funny to watch because he keeps those like teenage nerves just kind of like bubbling below the belt truly (laughs) and it's so so fun to watch like i love watching tom cruise who is a very naturally charismatic person play this but then again maybe this is closer to like how he is naturally and the charisma came later maybe who's to say who's to say all i know is he grew into his teeth because his teeth are fucking enormous they're like too big for his face they are but what i will say is that there is some special magic that happens when tom cruise smiles it's true I don't know what it is, he but can, that man could fucking stop traffic with that face Because he has like his. the worst haircut ever in this movie. It's like oddly like chopped against it's his It's very forehead. 1983. It's very 1983. Yeah. But he still manages to be like cute and charming. Yeah. And like full of life. Mm-hmm. But all the while managing to play a convincing like 18 year old kid. A nervous virgin. With the nerves and the virginity. <laughs> uh, I love that. I, I know this was like a style at the time, but mm-hmm. I love that the oversized blazers make him look even scrawnier and yes. even younger. So I just good. think that's fucking hilarious. Like to watch him with the blazer inside the house with his fucking Levi's yes. and a black t-shirt. And like those kind of, I think those are literally knockoff Ray-Bans. No, I, they're real Ray-Bans. They're real, okay. So that's like how Wayfarers became famous. Wild. Yeah. Was because of that movie. Insanity. I so know. like he's like, yeah, he's wearing them inside because he thinks that's cool, even though that is not cool. Like even by 1983 <laughs> standards, like it's not cool to wear your fucking sunglasses indoors. I know. But like he does it because he's a kid. 
that is what he thinks is cool. Yes. So he's literally just trying to portray the aura of coolness without actually being cool. Yes. The, it is mindfucking. The brilliance of his role is seeing him not being able to, to do the things or like be the things in the world he eventually wants to be a part of. Yeah. But him trying to get there, if that makes any sense. Like exactly. he's trying to play the part of like, this rich guy and like he he does have a rich family but he it's his parents money he himself is not rich he's trying to play the part of this like very cool sexually empowered rich dude who has all this experience blah 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 but he doesn't know shit about it and it's really rewarding to watch him inhabit the world that he doesn't inhabit if that makes sense at all. That makes complete sense because he's not a part of the world yet. <laughs> no. He's a part of fantasy land, which is like high yeah. school and like the inside of his parents' house. Right. And that's not, it's no like fault of his. It's just because he's a teenager. He hasn't gotten there yet. No. And so that's how he really gets the essence of being a teen, which is the other reason I love this fucking movie. Because if this, like I said, if this movie was made today, it would just be like, oh, these people are not like, this is not a real teenage story. This yeah. is fully an adult story that you just threw teenagers into. Yeah. And you're pretending that we're supposed to believe that like how they're acting and buy that this is the teenage experience. You never forget in risky business that you are dealing with high schoolers. You yeah. are constantly reminded that these kids are in high school. And that they don't know shit. Exactly. And I really appreciate it. Like, it's a very honest film in that respect, despite having more adult themes because it's a sex movie. Yeah. Especially because, like, to your point about, like, constantly being reminded, like, some of his biggest hurdles and his biggest struggles in the movie aren't even, like, oh, my God, the the the, the sex workers are in my house. or like The, the pimp is coming the after me. The pimp is coming after me. Like, those aren't his biggest worries. His biggest worries are literally, like, will I get into Princeton? Are my SAT scores high enough? Why won't the nurse fucking sign my goddamn, like, permission slip that, exactly. that I had an excused absence? I got kicked out of my business club. Like, <laughs> it's so... Those are the big problems problems in the movie it is so fucking funny yes to watch this man <laughs> this child literally like glaze through life because when you're this age you are doing nothing except guessing what your future might be and then correct and then like wrapping your brain around that whole concept and going that is the only thing i am here to protect is my current status at the school and my future the future that i had decided for myself the thing that will get me to the top of the pyramid that is my fucking future and if i if that doesn't happen mom if that doesn't happen my life is over it's over mom don't you get it don't you understand this is all i have <laughs> it captures that perfectly it does and then like when he has no choice, like he, he loses control essentially at yeah. a certain point in the movie because there's all these sex workers in his house. Because uh, they essentially turned it in for lack of, like turned his house into like, for lack of a better word, a brothel. Yeah, that's and exactly in what they In order did. to make money to pay for the Porsche yes. that ended up in Lake, Lake fucking Michigan yep. <laughs> because it was almost going to roll into the river or into the lake. Yeah. Didn't. And then the, the weight collapsed. The weight of the car made the dock collapse, and it was fucking over. Oh, so so good, so good. <laughs> that is delayed gratification, folks. It really is. That is how you do it. I love when he finally just like takes his friend's advice and just says like fuck it yeah literally, it's perfect. And he just smiles that huge Tom Cruise smile, and he's just like 
this is my fucking life now. He's like, like Illinois State, yeah. baby. He's like, you're not resident of Illinois. Like, it's just so fucking funny because, okay, so what we're actually talking about here is the Princeton, like, the recruiter. guy interviewing him for he's, Princeton. Uh, my assumption is that he's like an alumni member that comes over to the house to like right. interview because that's like what they do. Um, you know, they, the Ivy The League, Ivies. Uh, they come or he, this guy comes over to his house literally in the middle of the full swing brothel. Uh-huh. And Tom Cruise is acting like calm and collected and is like, ah, oh, yes, let us go into this empty room. Treasurer of the of the brothel, please exit the room. I need the room. And like his friend who's like, who's uh, I'm assuming also in business club. Correct. Who's pretending to be the accountant for this fucking brothel. Who, if you've seen First Wives Club. Oh my God. Plays a, what's his name? Um, uh... The kid. It, it, he, no, he plays. Um, he plays the interior designer. Oh my friend. god! Yes, you're so right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh my god! He's also in Beverly Hills Cop, and he's the best part of the movie. He plays the gallery yes. like attendant. So good. So anyway, someone see difference between Tom Cruise's career and this guy's career. Correct. Truly. <laughs> um. So anyway, so. In this, like, he's pretending to be the this accountant in this brothel, right. and by pretending to me is like he's he's he has no business being an accountant at a brothel. But what are you gonna no, do? No, he's like class treasurer. He's literally like class treasurer. <laughs> Hi guys, so we're three dollars <laughs> over the school budget this year. I don't know if we can do the prom. Like it's that those vibes right. basically. Um. So anyway, this Princeton like alumni recruiter comes over and does the interview during this. Mm-hmm. About halfway through the interview, Tom Cruise after hearing all of his like pretty average stats, like for an Ivy league school, like, you'd have to be in like the 100th percentile and like top of the class and like right. have all these, like he, he has like, he's like in the 84th percentile and he's done some extracurriculars. It's like yeah. not remarkable. The guy's like, well, you're not remarkable. And uh, Tom Cruise is literally like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> this is the moment that Jessica was talking about it where he's kind of just like, I'm going to let loose. And you know what? Maybe, maybe Ivy's not for me. Maybe yep. Princeton's not for me. Maybe I'm just going to run this brothel. <laughs> so my parents come back, go to Illinois <laughs> university. <laughs> Fuck it. Like that's, that's that. Yep. So, oh, it's so, it's so good. brilliant. Like seeing him finally get confidence and like turn into this cocky hotshot. It's amazing. Like, I don't know. I don't know where he gets it from, but like Tom Cruise has fucking like, he has like, he's got the juice. You he's know got, what I mean? He has like the X factor. Yeah. Simon Cowell, come get him. <laughs> Make come him a star. Him. Make him Just a star. <laughs> Already as well. Aww. Aww. <laughs> so yeah. And obviously, obviously this is the movie where when he first is alone in his parents' house, he's the one wearing the t-shirt. Yep. He's got the fucking Ray-Bans on. And he's the socks. socks. Yep. And he's light down the hallway and yep. he goes yes this movie has an incredible soundtrack and mm-hmm. such a good score tangerine dream did the score Ugh. which in the 80s oh they were hot shit hot hot they shit. were basically oingo boingo this this electric score that they've got in this so movie good. brilliant so good so good oh, oh my god uh, anyway, I fucking love Risky Business. Iconic film. I, honestly, I have seen Risky Business at so many slumber parties. Really? Yes. I've I don't only know. seen it like three times, I think. No, dude, I literally, like, it was the slumber party movie. That's bizarre. Like, 
it was this and like clueless. I don't know why. I don't know what that pairing was. You but and it your was friends like, had weird taste. It was always like, oh my God, let's put on a risky business. Tom Cruise is the cutest. Oh my I mean, goodness. He's pretty fucking cute. And Can't then lie. it was like clueless, like, oh my God. Ha. <laughs> is that what you sounded like? Yeah. Okay, good. Good to know. <laughs> you guys, oh. <laughs> we got to get back. We got to get the DVDs back to Rockbox. If we don't get it back to the Redbox, then like we are going to owe money. Oh my God. I never used Redbox. We were a block buster kids well of course i was a blockbuster kid however my friends were not (laughs) (laughs) i love blockbuster rest in peace man yeah my dad and i we were frequent blockbusters (laughs) blockbusters blockbusters we had a card in everything it was so good okay well that was risky business and now we're going to move to the next iconic God. Tom Cruise film. This is this is this is this is the one. And like, oh, oh, we, I guess we should have said this at the beginning. Like, there are so many movies. Yeah, I reiterate my anxiety about his filmography. There are so many that I genuinely wanted to talk about, but so like, we'll definitely have to do Tom Cruise again in the future. Yeah, but I feel like this episode you had to hit the like, you had to hit the staples, the like biggies. the the big career defining ones. Yeah, you know, exactly. So this next movie is Jerry Maguire. Jerry. Came out in 1996, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. And it shows. <laughs> <laughs> when successful sports agent Jerry Maguire, played by Tom Cruise, has a moral epiphany and is fired for expressing it, he decides to put his new philosophy to the test as an independent agent. Armed with the loyalty of only one client, football player Rod Tidwell, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., and the belief of his former colleague Dorothy, played by Renee Zellweger, Jerry tries to honorably rebuild his life while facing the harsh truths of the man he has become. Damn y'all this movie <laughs> this movie is a rom-com i don't care what anyone says it, it it is but it's also like i don't know it's like an identity journey movie as yeah. well like a finding yourself film this is the first time in tom cruise's career and i'm not saying this from my opinion he talked about this where like he is on the edge emotionally yeah like he usually plays these characters that are very sure of themselves or like very um very set in one sort of like emotional place or yeah. like one identity yeah jerry Maguire is very clearly in the middle of an identity crisis oh and he's <laughs> all over the place like he's fucking all over the literally place literally the beginning of the movie starts out with a classic cameron crow like this is the world yep. this is how i see the world <laughs> like, <laughs> very classic and he's kind of just like talking through like how sports agency yes. works um which to be fair, I still, even after watching that movie, don't fully understand what it... And I've seen this movie a million times. See, I was going to say, I found that narration very helpful uh, still when I first watched it. Still don't fucking get it. Um, but it basically talks about like how greedy and hungry, very much like Wall Street, how everyone's kind of like out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, we're all here to make money. We're all here to to make sure that the players make a lot of money because if no one's making money, then why are we here? Like there's no mission statement other than like, let's make a fuck ton of money. Yes. Um, because that's that's where sports mm-hmm. endorsements and all of that lives exactly. in that in, the, in that world. Um, like you're not a you're not a good at in in their eyes it's like you're not a good athlete if you can't make money like if that's not right. it then fuck you right mm-hmm. um and he goes through this identity crisis because he's like whoa i'm realizing that i am actually the worst human being alive yep why are these my priorities why do i suck why am i only why do i only care about making money why don't i care about like the players and like their injuries and like a lot of this stems from his conversation with 
the kid of one of his players that he manages mm-hmm. who is the the player that he manages is like on his fourth or fifth concussion mm-hmm. and his and the kid like comes up to Gary Maguire and he's like <laughs> played by Drake Bell which is just <laughs> you mean Drake Campana <laughs> which is just hilarious like it is so fucking funny to like look back on this and be like okay but he like he he sort of like is talking to this kid and this kid's like you know like can can you when are you gonna tell him to stop like like, who's gonna tell him to stop like please like this is his a millionth concussion Mm -hmm. and jerry Maguire is like well you know it's gonna it's gonna take all these people like giving like a slick sales pitch almost like it's gonna take a fucking rhino to stop your dad or whatever he says yeah and the kid's like fuck you like that's my dad, mm-hmm. you know? He's a human being with a beating heart and a brain that's getting all fucked up and scrambled because no one cares enough about him as a human being to tell him to stop. They yeah. only see him as like a cash cow and it's like, well, the more he plays, the more money everyone makes. So what does it matter that this is his fifth concussion and he's lying there, like not being able to remember who the fuck, like his wife is, his kid is, his, his agent is. Like, it doesn't matter that it takes him a long time to be like, Oh, and uh, yeah, that's, so that's my wife. And right. I guess that's my kid. Like, it's just, it's, it's, this is sort of the catalyst for like what sets off Jerry Maguire's like identity crisis. Exactly. Like when you first meet him, uh, what I, I, I appreciate that the movie starts with this like epiphany that he has, because I don't think it would be a very entertaining movie to see him initially as like the awful person he is. I mean, you see parts of it, but he's a man trying to change his attempts are a little misguided for a lot of the movie, but like, at least he's trying to, but you know that like prior to this epiphany, like Jerry Maguire is just like a master schmoozer. Yeah. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know who he is because his head, he's full of shit. And he thinks he's like so important, which he is, but not nearly at like the level that he thinks that he is, which is why he's so fucked when he realizes that he's disposable because if he's disposable, then who is he? Yeah. And that's kind of where he starts spiraling. Yeah. It's just, it's bananas. (laughs) It's bananas because you kind of like, it it makes you look at yourself and, and you're like, do I have a mission statement? Like, who am I? Is the work that I'm doing important? Should I be doing something else? Like it's, it's a very like existential crisis driven film. Yeah. It's kind of, it's one of these things where like the, the sports industry is an industry defined by success. Like there is no other metric. No, it's like win, lose, win, lose. It's very like binary. It is so binary. Exactly. So he's like, how do I keep myself or my integrity or my ethics in this business that doesn't that it like none of those things are measured when it yeah. comes to success. And the answer is very complicated. And I think it's still kind of up in the air if by the end of the movie, he even knows the answer to that because the, I think the message of the movie shifts. Like it's not so much about Jerry Maguire and his business. It no. becomes more about the romance, yeah. which I think is the only thing that is slightly not frustrating. It's just not the thing that the movie does best. There's a lot of like fingers to the plot. Yeah. And it changes a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot. It changes with Jerry Maguire's focus, which I think was the point. Like the point of the movie is like, we're going to focus on what Jerry Maguire is focusing on at the time. Right. And that's what it is, is frustrating, Kevin Crowe. It's frustrating. (laughs) But luckily you have Tom Cruise to be like your anchor through all of this. And Renee Zellweger. Like the cast in this movie is amazing. Fire. Straight. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. won his Oscar for this. Best supporting actor. Yep. Oh, he's so good. So good. He's so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. (laughs) Which obviously that's where, that's where this is from. Exactly. You had me at hello. That's where this is from. You complete me. 
you complete me. That's where this is from. Like, this movie has, like, line after line after line yes. that is completely memorable, yes. quotable, everything, the, the works, the whole nine yards. <laughs> this movie is fucking iconic. It's really iconic. And you have Tom Cruise just acting his fucking ass off. Like, ass he's, off. he's so neurotic, but he's also, like, a problem solver, but in kind of a dickish way because he doesn't know any better because all the people around him are the same. And I like how they juxtapose those people from his previous life to his quote unquote new life. Like I think Kelly Preston in this movie is brilliant. Oh, so brilliant. The scene where they introduce her, where they're having sex and she's just, they do the close up of her face. She's like, you know, I would be with another woman if you wanted me to. <laughs> and he's like, well, I th- you know what? I know we said we would tell each other everything. I don't think we should. She was just like, yes, I like it. It was in college. It was just a face, but I'm just saying I would do it for you. And he's sitting there like, did I ask? Bitch, (laughs) shut up. Like, that's a really good scene that just shows the example of like, that is the life that he realizes he used to want and just doesn't Doesn't anymore. anymore. And every time he returns to those spaces, he just turns into like a fucking fake asshole like when he goes to his bachelor party oh my god and he's just like pretending to be surprised and then they play the little black book tape and that's when he realizes like oh i fucking suck like i (laughs) suck ass because all of the women on the tape are going like i know jerry mcguire because they all used to fuck him or date him and they're just like yeah but he is so emotionally unavailable oh my god and he's like and he's Can like, you imagine if someone played a fucking tape of everyone you'd ever hooked up with or dated and they like, all say the same terrible thing about you? Oh my God, he's really like SOS. He's just like, somebody save me. Here's, he's Pierce. He's Pierce. Exactly. And it sends him right into the arms of Renee Zellweger. Exactly. Who is the most real and raw human on in this entire movie? She's supposed to be my age in this movie. And granted, she was like 28, I think, when she filmed it. But still, I was watching this and I was just like, yours must be 26. She's oh like a she, she's like a young single mother. And granted, like Jerry Maguire is like in like 35. Like he's a 35-year-old, yeah. like exec, like mm-hmm. slick sports agent. He like he's lived through his life. He's like about to get married. He's about to get married to this this one bitch. <laughs> Avery. Avery, who's like who's like a prize fighter because mm-hmm. apparently when they break up, she like fucking beats the shit out of him. <laughs> which is just iconic like why which is never okay you should never beat anyone up but it's funny because she punches him and she cuts his face open because the diamond ring he gave her was so big yeah and like that's the joke which is pretty funny so fucking funny his money is just like coming back to fucking haunt this man exactly like everything in this movie you can tell is incredibly intentional which i really do applaud cameron crowe for like the script everything it's all telling you something bigger but anyway, I digress. Back to Tom. Anyway, Tom. <laughs> Tom in this movie gives you, he serves you on a fucking silver platter, his guts, his heart. Like he literally rips himself open, puts it all out there on the line for you and goes, you can either hate me or you can love me or you can get on board. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to be emotionally vulnerable with you and you can decide whether or not you like that. And I think a big part of this movie is deciding whether or not you are even on his fucking side. Yeah. Because he he makes so many mistakes in this film and the way that Tom Cruise handle Tom Cruise handles like each and every mistake that comes his way is so unique 
is so like riveting and it's passionate and messy and weird and honestly sometimes like kind of creepy sometimes kind of cool like yeah that he has range in this movie and it's really hard for a movie like this to showcase an actor like that but this does it so well and he he you know for lack of a better metaphor like he comes up to the bat and he 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 it's a home run it really is. Yeah. Well, I think you're always on his side because he commits so honestly to like every decision that he's making because he genuinely believes in those moments that it's the best. Like when he asks Renee to marry him, they haven't, they've barely dated. They've just kind of been around each other a lot and they know that they like each other, but that's kind of it. And so he asks her to marry him sort of out of convenience. And I like, I'm not even mad at him when he asks because I believe that he genuinely wants that in that moment. And then you kind of realize like, this was the bad decision. This was a bad idea, Tom. <laughs> it's, and this is when the plot kind of shifts. Like it then becomes about Tom Cruise's ability to love and like his potential as a, like a romantic character. And his issue isn't that like he doesn't love people or can't commit to people. It's that he won't let himself fully love them. Yeah. And I think that that extends to the rest of his life. And that's why he hasn't found, you know, true happiness that's why he sort of like he puts up a wall between him and his players because he's like i'm not going to i'm going to choose not to be emotionally available to you because i only want to see you as a cash cow i only want to see you as a commodity something to move something to make money off of exactly and if he has a personal relationship with he which he ends up developing with his player rod Mm -hmm. like if he ends up having a personal relationship with them then it's about more than just the money and there's Correct. more at stake. Yeah. Like there's way more to lose than just $11 million or whatever exactly. it is that he makes off of each player. Like yeah. there's more to lose than that, which I think he's like at a lot of points in the movie, he's not ready for, he's not ready to lose like what's, what actually matters in life mm-hmm. and like what's actually at stake other than money because you watch him lose every penny he has mm-hmm. really early on in the film because he gets fired and then he spends all of his money in his new business and he's not mm-hmm. making any money. He loses all of his clients. He loses all of his players. Like it's all gone and he has to still pay like Renee mm-hmm. and it's a whole, it's a whole situation and you watch him lose all of that. And he, he sort of like hits rock bottom mm-hmm. and he's like, fuck man, like this blows, like I have no money, but then you don't think that he can sink any lower. And then he loses his wife and you're like, oh my God, like, yep this is Tom Cruise's rock bottom. Yeah. This is it. When he loses the wife, when he loses his friends, he loses his integrity and he manages like crawl his way back up out of the hole because there's this incredible scene where uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and um, like the rest of his teammates, they're all like playing the like Monday night football game and he just scored like the winning touchdown, but he's like fucking injured and the whole world is like holding their breath and they're like... Like, are you, are you, are you dead? Like, it's literally at that point. And he gets up and everyone fucking cheers. And that's when Tom Cruise is like, yeah, like he's going to keep playing for the Cardinals. Like they're going to offer him a fucking contract. It's going to happen. Like, this is it. We've made it. Mm -hmm. But like, he's strangely still sad Yeah, because he's like, wow, like my wife isn't here Mm -hmm. with me. Like, and now I've developed this personal relationship with this player where I owe him more than just like, my presence, I owe him like an embrace. I owe him a high five. Like Mm -hmm. I owe him a phone call with his family. Like he really gets committed to his players and his new philosophy. 
And it is a complete like 180 from what he was doing before. Yeah. And that's growth, baby. It really is. Like this movie turns into a really heartwarming movie and the stakes are so much higher for him because the kid is involved. And Jonathan Lipnicki is like the cutest fucking kid that's ever existed. He's the Stuart Little kid. Yeah. Uh, like iconic. I texted Monica while I was watching this. I was like, you know, every time I watch this movie, this is the kid that really makes my ovaries just explode. Like this is the kid that makes me go, I need a child <laughs> because he's so cute i want to kill him well he's the Stuart little kid i know he's so fucking cute he's so cute i was reading i was reading a review of jerry Maguire, and someone said that he was like and the cute jonathan lipnicki in parentheses some might say too cute yeah truly he you just want to bite his face you really you're just like shut up like shut up and let me pinch your cheeks the human head is eight pounds oh my god this child uh jerry Maguire is such a good movie it's so good give it another watch if you haven't watched it in a long time dust it off of your shelf pull out the blu-ray yeah pop it in i was too young the first time i saw it and i like didn't get it i was like this movie's kind of boring this movie's boring mm. mom mom put on barbie <laughs> put on barbie and the 12 dancing princesses oh my god <laughs> it's terrible uh, animation <laughs> This is a brilliant film. Go watch it. Please. Go watch it. Go watch Jerry Maguire. Okay, Monica, what's the last movie? The last and final film is Mission Impossible 3. <gasps> Mission Impossible 3 came out of 2000, which will explain why we're sure. not doing one or two even. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible 3 came out in 2006, written by Alex Kurtzman, Roberto Orsi, and J.J. Abrams, randomly, directed by J.J. Abrams randomly it's not random he's a director monica no i've never heard this of him. was his first feature film uh this was his directorial debut for no feature films, I, I, i've never heard of him oh okay have you yeah i, I have actually I, what the fuck is he what what is he even directed i've never fucking heard of i this mean guy. he did make lost there's what that. are you talking about that's that was some other guy like who the i fuck, think there was some who is stat- this who is this jj abrams <laughs> i think there was some stat that this is Mission Impossible 3 is the largest budget directorial debut ever. Oh, I'm it was sure. like $150 billion Dude, I'm or fucking some sure. shit. Dude, someone looked at J.J. Abrams and went, you know what? You can handle that, kid. I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> like John Favreau directing yeah. Iron Man. Like, They're like, like ah, you could do it. Yeah, kid. You know what? You do it. <laughs> You've got the glasses. You've got the nose. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it jj baby go ahead go for it kid so whatever felicity lost and alias he was a tv director so then they were like here's mission impossible who. 3 here's mission fucking impossible 3 you fucking direct a goddamn movie with philip seymour hoffman may he rest in peace <sighs> and tom fucking cruise uh-huh. and get back to me and like a beloved at the time already beloved franchise yes let's just give it to the fucking kid in the back with the glasses why don't we do I that i think he proved himself personally do you yeah do do. you jessica i love this movie but you have feelings so let's let's continue (laughs) give us the synapses i will which by the way i fucking love jj abrams okay good (laughs) have you seen star trek no because i don't care about space i care about space very much The third entry in Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible film series involves Impossible Mission Forces, a.k.a. agent Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, being forced back into the field just when he was planning on marrying his girlfriend, Julia, played by Michelle Monaghan. I was literally going to say Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) What a Freudian slip. (laughs) The agency asks Hunt to save an operative played by Carrie Russell after weapons dealer Owen Davian 
played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, kidnaps her. With the help of his field team, Hunt achieves his goal but becomes involved in a web of double crosses that leave him wondering if he can trust his supervisors, Billy Crudup and Lawrence Fishburne. Eventually, Davian threatens Julia's life in order to get away with his evil plan. Bum, bum, bum. A web of plot. (laughs) I don't understand this movie. I don't understand this movie. I don't understand the Mission Impossible franchise. It's not for me. It is what it is. Okay. All I can say is that Tom Cruise is a fucking incredible action star. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally love this movie. I really like the Mission Impossible franchise, and I'm not a big action movie gal, but- I think that when you have a franchise this big that is backed by really amazing directors, like Brian De Palma directed the first Mission Impossible movie. That's true. Like, this is not something to wag your finger at. (laughs) And you have incredible actors in it as well. Like, I can get behind a big money cash cow franchise like this. And this one, I feel is the best. I mean, I think people will say that the franchise has peaked anywhere between number three and five tends to be the consensus. I like this one because Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. And I think it has one of the greatest opening scenes. Like that opening scene is riveting where it opens with the end of the movie and it gives you like a big fake towards what's actually going to happen at the end. And it's so good because it's just Philip Seymour Hoffman like being brilliant and Tom Cruise breaking down, which you don't see Tom Cruise break down a lot. And that's how your movie opens. And then you're just like, given the Mission Impossible theme song, you're just like, oh my God, what the fuck? It's actually (laughs) fucking insane, which I do have something to say about that title sequence. Can we... I'm glad that we're past those title sequences now. Ba-da-da. Like with, with it's just so terrible, and it has like bad animation, and it's like it's just. Bleh. I'm so glad that we're like past these awful. I mean, like, to be it, fair, it's akin to like the spy, the first Spider-Man title sequence where everything looks like shit. Like it's like, the same thing. I think you can only do so much with that title score with that theme song. Like you have to give it the animation that goes with the theme song, and you can't change the fucking theme song. It's been around since 1960. It's true. Like, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole other enchilada. Here's the thing. I, not to compare this at whatsoever. They are two different fucking franchises, uh-huh. but like not to compare this to, um, uh, the James Bond, like the most recent. Oh, I thought James you were going to do the fast of the furious. Uh, and I was just like, uh, fuck no, absolutely. That's too far of a stretch. <laughs> okay. I didn't go to USC, but I'm not fucking stupid. Okay. Okay. okay I'm You're sorry. insane. So anyway, uh, as far as like, franchises go and like these like spy movies Mm -hmm. these like mission driven movies go i'm a big fan of the daniel craig like uh james bond installments okay they're really fucking great and those title sequences slap they fuck they're so good i would argue that the music is cooler the music is cooler (laughs) i think the mission impossible movies are very cool movies but the theme song is very campy and like (laughs) they can't not do the theme song. It's so campy. So it's like the opening is just like filmy film. This is JJ Abrams. Yeah. And it's it's very filmy. And then they're like, cut to the title sequence, maximum cheese. Takes me right out of it. You have to admit you literally like I'm looking at you in the eyes. (laughs) Jessica, do not let me die like this. Do not let me go to my grave thinking that you think that that was okay. I think it's okay because oh my we've God. already seen two movies where we know that this is what we're in for. So by the third, you're just like, as soon as that theme song hits, like I'm fucking hyped. I'm ready. Get because, out of get out of my face. Well, I think I think they set it up very strategically because they give you this very dramatic scene where you're just like, 
how am I supposed to? It was just supposed to get through two hours until I understand what that is pointing to. And so you get this theme song to lighten things up a little bit and kind of amp you up to sit through the rest of the shit. That is my justification for it. And honestly, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm sorry. All I was thinking <laughs> while you were saying all of that was Vin Diesel going families everything. Oh my God. <laughs> Do it for the family, your family, man. Okay. Vin Diesel has no place on this podcast. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. I am not watching the Fast and the Furious franchise again. I have three brothers. All I did my entire life was watch the Fast and the Furious franchise. I've never seen a one and I'm proud of it. Well, you know what? (laughs) Fuck you. I want my like 300 hours of my life back. You can never get that time back. How does that feel? So bad. (laughs) So bad. Anyway, point is, that opening, all of this to say, that opening fucking sequence, mm-hmm. in my opinion, best part of the entire movie. Like, it really starts on a fucking high. You see Philip Seymour Hoffman being a bad motherfucker. He's just, like, pure evil. Pure evil. He's, the eyes don't move. The eyes don't move. Yeah. He doesn't look at that bitch. Well, I mean, she's not a bitch. She's she's a lovely woman. Carrie Russell, <laughs> we love you. It's Michelle Monaghan. Whatever. Time, whatever. Yeah. I'm fucking mixing everyone up today. It is what it is. The other blonde. The Wait, other no, blonde. Michelle Monaghan is a brunette. What? Wait, what? Oh my God. Yes, she, she, okay, to be fair, she's a very ashen brunette, okay? No, she's pretty, got pretty dark hair. No, I have really dark hair. Okay, calm okay, down. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but anyway, he's like not staring at her for one second he's only looking at tom cruise and tom cruise's eyes are like darting back and forth between his beloved and philip seymour hoffman and he's like oh my god is this guy fucking for real is this guy actually gonna kill my my fiance i guess or my wife like my my wife like is he gonna is he gonna kill my wife And then Sasha Baron Cohen comes in and it's just a giant sketch. It's just a, it's just a huge sketch. Oh man. But anyway, that opening sequence, I will admit one of the best opening sequences I've ever seen. It's fucking and riveting. It has no business being in a mission impossible movie. Yes, like, it does. It, this is a good I fucking movie. I don't know about that. It's a good know. fucking movie. I'm talking about the fucking franchise, Jessica. Did you see the footage where they like fucking threw a train off of a cliff? No. Did you see that shit? I didn't. But oh my God. Beside they, the point. <laughs> they, had, they had a clip. You need to watch this. Okay. They literally had a clip of the, the latest, because they're filming the latest movie right now. Right. They literally have a clip of them taking a full size train jessica look at me look at me a full size train uh-huh. that's like not just one car uh-huh. but many it's a full cars train. and a caboose <laughs> i mean it would naturally have one wouldn't it naturally <laughs> and they threw that motherfucker off of a cliff i mean do it for film man do it for, do it for cinema <laughs> These movies are insane. <laughs> Mission possible. That's Mission what I'm saying. Possible. <laughs> anyway, back to Mission Impossible 3. This opening scene, riveting IMO. So good. So good. Like, the, just 
Tom, okay, Tom Cruise has a shocking emotional range for an action franchise. Just in the, see, that's, <laughs> this is what I was trying to say. This has no business being as good as it is. This I is, mean, I think it does have business <laughs> because it makes sense because of the people in the movie. It's surprising, but it has business. Oh like, my God. His emotional range, you see it right at the beginning, like his desperation, his pain. He's like, my wife is going to fucking die. My wife. My wife is going to expire before my eyes. I have an explosive in my brain. Like there's a lot happening. There's too much going and on. And he has those eyes and they're like all watery. He's like near sobbing the entire time. And he's just like, no, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever let's you just, want. I hate it when he, oh, he, he so just good. kept saying, let's just talk about this. Yes. It's like, why is it's like, do you I'm think sorry. he's going to like reason with it's you? Like, I'm sorry, bitch. Do you think Philip Seymour Hoffman is just going to put the gun down and go, oh my God, yeah, babe, Bessie, I'm so sorry. Like, Bestie. Bestie, like, yes, like, let's talk, girl. Like, mm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've, I've just, uh, it's been a hard day. Like, I've just been so sus lately. Like, let's just chat. Like, no, <laughs> no, he's not going to, he's not going to put the gun down and talk to you. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think that kind of sets you up for the, the impossible reasoning that, yeah. that Tom Cruise has to experience through the whole movie. Like, because after that scene, it cuts to what his life is. Like, that's a flash it's like forward. A, yeah, and then it cuts back to like, back to Current reality day. or whatever. Yeah. And he ha he's retired from IMF. There's like a party going on. He's like a little nerdy, a little like- It's like his I'm, engagement party, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, actually, I think that that is what it is. Yeah. Um, And it's him and his wife at their like nice house and mm -hmm. they have all their friends over and he's like talking to people and people are like kind of low-key unimpressed with him. Yeah, because he's like a traffic engineer. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, like <laughs> I'm, I'm like traffic is my passion. <laughs> exactly. And then he gets the call and you can see immediately that he's just like do is this something i'm gonna have to go Which, fucking do for those of you who've not seen a movie in the franchise it's the same thing as like mr incredible getting an, a, a, a phone call on the incredible correct it lights up and he's like yo what's up and they're like come yeah. come fix the come get the cat yeah or whatever so he goes and he meets billy crude up <laughs> in like a gas station drugstore basically like think 7-eleven but like somewhere in the midwest or pretty upstate much. new york they meet the each other there and he's like here's the mission and he only goes because the girl that they're rescuing is someone that he personally trained yeah um and that he's very very close with him like i guess in a, i'm not i guess he does he feels responsible for her yeah which is why he goes but you can see like that it's really paining him because he feels like he's finally gotten as close to an honest life with Michelle Monaghan as he can. Mm -hmm. Like he can't ever tell her about IMF, but he if. could at least, <laughs> he could at least retire from being an active operative and he can just go into being a trainer. Mm -hmm. So like for him, that's like peak honesty. That's like, okay, my life is fine now. And then he realizes he has to do this shit again. And it's, arguably his most dangerous mission ever yeah it's the truly the most impossible of the missions correct in mission comma or mission colon colon impossible, impossible. <laughs> exactly so he's just he's fuck he's fucking upset and i i appreciate that you can see his emotion in a movie that is so like jacked up on action steroids. Oh yeah. It's jacked up. It's high. <laughs> it's, it's taken all of But redeemed by the fact that he does his own fucking stuff. I know. Okay. So a little bit about that. Biggest reason why we chose mission impossible to begin with is because Tom Cruise is 
famous. Mm-hmm. We're talking like next level famous for doing his own stunts on all of these movies. Yeah. Or at the very least, as close to his own stunts as he possibly can because they always do like multiple shoots with different stuntmen and et cetera, et cetera. Right. That's just what happens. That is literally just how movies are made. He cannot do, he cannot do it like- 55,000 times in a row. Like he can do it a few times in a row, get the shot, great. Right. Let's get all the pickups from someone else or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for him, he, the fact that he's able to do this in the first place is a fucking physical feat. So yes. not every actor can like <laughs> jump off of a building or climb up a building or do things with a building that people wouldn't normally do with a building. Yeah. He is able to do it for whatever reason. That one stunt where he, where the explosion happens on the uh, bridge and he oh gets my God. thrown into that white car. Oh my God. I, I was just like, holy shit. Like, because that's, it's him. it's him. You can tell it's him. There's nowhere to cut. In that. <laughs> guys, guys, it's one shot. It's just the one shot of him flying. It's one shot. And like, you can see it, it has kind of like, I really love the cinematography in this one because it is kind of like shaky and a little clunky, but intentionally. And I think that's really fun, especially in like the action heavy sequences. Like it feels very active and very dynamic. It's not as flashy as a lot of other action action movies. Exactly. It's not as like clean cut. It's a little bit more like on the ground. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's been really fun. It was fun for me watching this movie after we did Keanu. Yes. Another action star. Where I was the only one who watched John Wick. <laughs> John Wick. Um, but because like Keanu is all action and minimal, in quotes, acting. Minimal emotion. Tom is always acting first, action second. second which I think in a franchise like this, that is very film heavy. And I mean that in terms of like huge budget, very known art, genuinely artistic directors like that's enormous really enormous marketing budget like philip seymour hoffman wouldn't be in a fucking action movie no. if it wasn't for real film if it wasn't the, if it wasn't <laughs> delicious mm, morsels of cinema 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 cinema, cinema. <laughs> sorry i just got brought back to like the childhood like apple jacks commercials that would show up on like cartoon so network <laughs> Oh my God, what what was happening there, guys? Truly. What was happening there? <laughs> but yeah, and that's, that's why I think he does so well in these movies. And also because like Tom Cruise is a cocky motherfucker. Like yeah. he presents himself as an authority. Like you really trust Ethan Hunt yeah. in these movies. And even at the peak of anxiety, which there's a lot of in this movie because the quote unquote like enemy in the movie other than philip seymour hoffman is the little device that they shoot into your brain yeah because they basically own you exactly they own you you can never really tell when it's gonna fucking kill you (sighs) and the anxiety i felt in that last scene where they're in they're in shanghai and they're on the weird like medical office or whatever and he's walking around being like you're gonna have to kill me you're gonna have to kill me i'm gonna come back to life i was losing my mind the thing that this movie does best is is the big T tension. <laughs> the big T. The big T. <laughs> yeah, like I think, and I think Tom does a good job of channeling the tension to the like really T. bring gravity to these movies. Like he he shows you how high the stakes are for something that you genuinely can't relate to. <laughs> I know, I'm like, well, 
honestly, you do you, boo. I, I can't be in your situation. You're just like, I have no idea what this would be like, so I don't really know. But uh, thank you for telling me exactly what it would feel oh like. Oh my God, thank you. I've always wanted to know. <laughs> I've always wanted to know what it would feel like to have Philip Seymour Hoffman stuff something into my brain and then mm-hmm. possibly kill me. It's true. <laughs> he's just he he's the best he's the best example of an action star who can do it all yeah you know like brad pitt i would say sure yeah yeah neck and neck bff or like matt damon in the born what's in the box what's in the box what's in the box (laughs) well that's my review of mr impossible i don't know if you have anything else i have nothing else to add literally everything that you praised about this movie is is everything that i have to praise about this movie fantastic everything else is so fucking confusing (laughs) i loved it so all this to say jessica tell us why we chose fucking mission impossible (laughs) three instead of one or two uh, well we chose mission impossible in general because you touched on it like you can't talk about Tom Cruise without bringing up the fact that he was in Mission Impossible. And then so he did, that. and he did all of his own stunts. Correct. And, and quite frankly, like it, it, it's, it's one of the facets of his acting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, we we talked about very early in this episode, like the sort of the the sustainability of his of career, his career yeah. and like sort of the the big points of his career that he touched, like like teen idol, sex comedy god, like action hero, um, rom com leading man, like all of these things. Right, mm-hmm. this is sort of the what solidified the action hero portion Correct. of it all, like really cemented it into the like cultural zeitgeist yeah of all of the things that were going on um yeah and i mean we chose number three partially because of like where it landed in his career because we do look at timeline when we choose films um we kind of want something beginning middle and not end but like post 2000 current yeah somewhat contemporary (laughs) Um, and the first two were not contemporary not at all um but i uh, this is my favorite of the franchise um I love Michelle Monaghan. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. And I think the emotional stakes of this one in particular are really, really high. And it shows a really good range for an action movie, which is, that's why he makes such a good action star. So that's why we chose this one. God bless. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. All right, Monica, what did you dabble in? I've dabbled in many things. It's really difficult to choose and narrow down to one. I'll save I'll, I'll save one now and then save one for the next episode. All right. You guys will be very excited to learn who the next daddy is in the next episode. I guess you'll just have to wait until next week. Yeah, you can also always check the episode notes. I always put at the bottom what the movies for the next week are in case you want to watch them and not have spoilers. So you can always tell who it's going to be. You've but. ruined You've ruined it. You've well, ruined I the also veil of wanted to direct people there so that they can watch the movies if they want to. I suppose you're right. You know, help them out. Throw them a ball. <laughs> okay. So I guess we'll do my first one, which is that we uh, got Carrie's Embark DNA results back. Okay. Which if you didn't know, I probably not. I probably haven't mentioned it, but we, we submitted Carrie, my dog. Um, she's a rescue, so we don't really know like what she is. Question mark. Like we, we, right. had, we had no idea. So we like, we... We swabbed her cheek, sent it off to the lab, <laughs> to Dexter's laboratory. Right. It came back and it was not what we thought she was. <laughs> well, because the, the shelter told you or the rescue told you something else, right? The, the, okay. So what she looks like, let's talk about what she looks like. Right. She looks like a miniature schnauzer, schnauzer, mm-hmm. schnauzer, schnauz, with a little bit of Yorkie in there, like, right? Because of her coat. Her coat is very like Yorkie, the like light 
light brown, like silvery color. Yeah, with some like gold coloring coming through. Too. Yeah, it's just like very Yorky. Mm-hmm. Mm, whatever. So that's what we thought she was for the longest time. We got her fucking embark results back, and she is. I'll pull it up so I can read it. <laughs> she is. 28.6% Boston Terrier. Boston Terrier. 24.8% Yorkshire Terrier, which is Yorkie. Uh-huh. And only 21.4% Miniature Schnauzer. And only and then randomly 16.2% Shih Tzu. Interesting. I just googled Boston Terrier Yorkshire Terrier mix and they do look like her. Oh, really? Yeah. Funny. She's also like has a little bit of American Staffordshire Terrier and uh, a standard schnauzer in her. Who knew? Who knew? Okay. okay. But anyway, the point is. That's fun. It, it was so random. She looks nothing like these breeds. However, there you go. There you go. Wow. Amazing. I know. I know. <laughs> now we know her roots. Now we know. Now we know. <laughs> now we know her roots yes exactly basically yeah uh anyway i, w- I would recommend embark they were very they're very thorough they alerted us to a health concern that she may have in the future oh what is it uh i i cannot pronounce it but okay, it's a good. it's a concern <laughs> a minor concern. i want to do one for mona but i'm pretty sure it's just going to come back and be like cat and short hair cat yeah and eh, whatever <laughs> cats descendants are still like around yeah i mean <laughs> She's not very wolfy is what we've learned. This is true. <laughs> she she her wolfiness, which is like an actual trait, is 0.3%. <laughs> so sad. And oh, that is fascinating. Her predicted adult weight is 17 pounds. Oh, that's pretty large. I mean, she has grown quite a bit since you got her that already. That is very true. We thought she was going to be closer to 25, that's what we were told, but I think 17 is closer to what I think is actually accurate. Okay. Jessica, what have you dabbled in? Nothing exciting, but I have been using my... So you remember how I told you that I got a new face, meaning that that facial tool where I zap myself. And I finally started using it religiously. And so now every night for half an hour, you can see myself rubbing microcurrents across my face <laughs> and using red light. I just think that she is literally like killing... Like, like, electrocuting her chin now i think that's what's happening no so for like 20 minutes i use this red light thing where for you put it on spots where your wrinkles are or your wrinkle where your wrinkles would be um and you use this red light thing you hold it on for three minutes in each spot and there's seven areas that you do it on so it takes like 21 minutes and then i think the rest of it takes like five to seven minutes to rub this like microcurrent thing across your face but you have a gel on so you can't really feel it it just feels slightly like tingly i guess Mm. yeah yes but i have already noticed that it's really started um any like breakouts that i have or any discoloration from my electrolysis it's already started like fading it oh wow so that's nice that's so nice that's so nice nice. yeah look at you i know if you could just be young forever you would i honestly would she really would (laughs) if she could just rub herself in vaseline and like stay in a fridge i feel like she would do that good idea maybe i'll try that maybe you will martha stewart tried that and she looks young as hell so she does look good she posted that thirst trap during covid i know i was like damn martha damn martha martha you you looking good girl what you doing (laughs) okay monica we have a question what this question is from someone named naomi oh my god i love that name it reminds me of 90210 but the reboot naomi where like naomi's like oh my god like it's my 16th birthday and i look 30 (laughs) 
The question is, what's a movie you would want to see remade but would never be remade? This mm. is a hard question. <laughs> it is a, that actually really is a difficult question. Um, I can think of several TV shows I would want to be remade that would never be remade. Oh, share, share. Like, I would love to see them do like Little House on the Prairie again, just because I fucking love that show. You do love that and show. And if I saw it with a huge budget of like now, oh. it'd be amazing. It'd be so dark, dark shit happening on the prairie. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'd be into that. You know what's really funny is I would I would absolutely want to see a uh Gilmore Girl, Girls remake. I did not like the reboot. I right. want to see like a full on remake. Okay. Like I want to see it like what that would look like today. Okay. I think it could be like a fun spin take. But the right. the question was movie, so movie, I'm trying to movie, think movie. of like a movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is gonna sound very odd and it is only because of my love for animal actors that i want this to be remade <sighs> i want to see more of them out there you okay. know doing yeah. work getting their noses to the ground sniffing it out uh-huh. <laughs> i really want to see all dogs go to heaven remade but like wow. live action live action yeah that's good shit. like really bad like like really badly <laughs> like i really want to see that happen you know on a similar note but i would want to see have you seen the movie cats don't dance my favorite animated film of course i have. I would love to see that remade in I live action remade. aaron since you want to be a filmmaker maybe uh <laughs> well, no. uh could you get on that for me i'm on could you call the kids at Bento Box and be like, "Yo, yo, get this made. We have a billion dollar idea. Billion dollars. <laughs> anyway, um, that yeah, that yeah. it would never get remade. Absolutely, nobody even fucking remembers that movie. No one remembers either one of the movies that we just said. They, a lot of people do remember All Dogs Go to Heaven. Like, a, I would say a larger number of people than who remember Cats Don't Dance. Cats Don't Dance was love, an outlier of I, the nineties love cats don't dance darla dimple is one of the best animated An villains ever Ooh, okay another movie that i want to oh, see okay. remade yeah, but yeah. will literally never get remade because it was perfect mm-hmm. the little rascals oh but like yeah. well that i mean the, technically is a remake well that's what i'm trying to say is that specific remake i think was lighting in a bottle that shit was so yeah, good that is a that's it an has an iconic soundtrack iconic so come on guys it was so wholesome everyone was like out to to build the clubhouse again <laughs> after the fire <laughs> fucking darla or whatever the fuck that darla, bitch's name is you, you are, are so beautiful, beautiful to me <laughs> Can't you see? You're everything. <laughs> You're everything I need. Did you know? So in the Trojan marching band at USC, right on. Uh, they always give everyone a nickname when they first go to band camp. Oh and my, my brother, because he kind of looks like Spanky, <gasps> or kind of a lot looks like Spanky. He really does look like Spanky. His name was Spanky. No way. <laughs> that was his oh my god, dude, that was honestly. That was my favorite movie. I loved up. that movie. I loved The Little Rascals. That shit was fire. Froggy was the best. Reba was in that movie. I know. Whoopi was in that movie. Whoopi was in that fucking movie. You know who's also in the movie? Who? The little kid who plays Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son in Jerry Maguire. Yes, he was also in that movie. He, but he's the kid. I forget his name. He's the, he I, wears, got a, I got a, whatever. What I got fuck? two pickles. I got two oh, pickles. Yeah. I got two pickles today. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. hey. I'm going to be in a wedding and I'm just pickles today. He's that kid. <laughs> he's that kid. He wears a bowler hat. Yep. <laughs> and the vest. Oh, there's Petey. Petey's the, like, oh, he looks like the target dog, dog, but he's not the target dog. He's a different kind of dog. Uh, but the point is, 
that that movie i would pay so much money to see specifically that movie remade for like today's children yes and i want to see them like fucking hack into like the main server of apple or some shit because that was like the equivalent of what they were doing they were like (laughs) they were like bamboozling like adults left and right like stacking on top of each other (laughs) each other like oompa loompa's trying to become like an an adult to like get a loan at a bank to like rebuild their clubhouse (laughs) the cons the cons in this cons, the cons (laughs) it's just oh god man it makes me really want to i'm gonna rewatch i'm gonna watch that movie too when i was in elementary school sometimes you would get they would tell you like okay this day of the week, we're going to watch a movie instead of doing recess. So mm-hmm. you guys can bring VHS tapes in and we can vote on who would bring it in. And I would always bring the little rascals, but some bitch would always bring Grease. And of course, children would want to watch Grease instead of the little rascals. And I would always get so sad because I was like, it's such a good movie. You guys won't even get You guys, you guys have to see it. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Brilliant. It's Great soli- It solidified my like love for comedy. <laughs> that movie for whatever reason. It was like, mm, these kids, these kids know what the fuck they're doing. It's these really kids, good. They're, they all have a, a one-way ticket to the second city, my friend. <laughs> they are high fucking hilarious. Baby groundlings. Baby groundlings. <laughs> Incredible. All right. Oh, well, so well, that was Tom Cruise. That was Tom Cruise. I hope you enjoyed it. We did cover the Scientologist Tom Cruise. <laughs> Does all his own stunts. Used to want to be a priest. Isn't anymore because he is a Scientologist. Ah, the number of times we've said Scientologist. If we if this uh, podcast suddenly stops and you can't find me, Monica or Aaron, look look to the church. Look everyone. to the church. <laughs> They've abducted us. Take our bodies and bury them in the sand. Um. Get me under there away from the Scientologists. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, as always, don't don't sue a steady Fabro. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye, Jessica. (laughs) You are so beautiful.